It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Wow, I can't believe it's Friday already. This week has gone really fast, and of course, we're anticipating the Ag PhD Field Day next week and doing a lot of work getting ready for that. So that's probably part of the reason why it's gone so fast. But we've also had so many questions that have come in this week. It's been a really fun week doing the radio show for sure. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian, and on a Farmer Friday, That means our show is wide open all day to talk about what you want to talk about. So our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Our email box is uh, overflowing with questions, radio at agphd.com. But if you send in a question, we'll try to get to it today as well. Hey, just real quick before we start anything else, I, Darren and I, right before the show, we were talking about plant health benefits of some of these fungicides. And it's common for you to hear, oh, there are plant health benefits. And then you go, well, wait. Well, and we get what a lot of those? questions, too, about, all right, is this the right time for fungicide? And I'm targeting this, targeting that. And so a lot of times they'll follow up with, well, okay, what are you trying to do with this fungicide that you're putting out? Is it protect against disease? Is it stop some disease that you're already starting to see out there? Is it plant health benefits? Whatever. And so when people say, well, it's plant health benefits I'm going for, okay, specifically, which benefits are you looking at? Well, there I don't are know. three. There my, plant, are... my plants just stay green is what the response often is. Okay. There are three that that we would tell you with the strobe fungicides, strobilurin fungicides, like headline, quadris, that kind of thing. It's cooler temperature in the canopy. All right. They've been able to find cooler temperatures in the canopy, and that obviously can be a big deal in the hot year. Number two is less, less ethylene production. Ethylene basically finishes the plant. So if you want premature death, you want more ethylene production. If you want your plant to stay alive a little longer and have a better chance to catch that last rain and hopefully a little better yield, you want less ethylene production. And that's what we see after the strobe fungicides have been applied. And then the last thing is higher antioxidant levels. Undoubtedly, you've heard about the benefits of antioxidants in human health. Well, it's somewhat similar in plant health. You have better stress tolerance and better disease tolerance when you have higher antioxidant levels. So very specifically, when we talk about plant health benefits of fungicides, that's what we mean. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, this is a this is a picture. We actually had this one for a little bit. It made it somehow to the to the bottom of the box or, or whatnot. But this is from Luke in West Central Ohio. And he said, I've got sweet corn here. And I've got something on the stems that looks like corn smut. I've never seen it before, but it's all over the stalks and going up on, into the leaves. The plants have not been mechanically damaged in any way. And I, I don't have a huge area, just a quarter of an acre of, of sweet corn, but this came out of nowhere. Just wondering if you have any idea what it is and what I could do so it doesn't happen in the future. Well, first of all, even if there is not mechanical damage, there can be wind damage, there can be damage from rain or hail, could be damage from an animal, lots of different things, or for that matter, even an insect. So lots and of sweet different corn's things. not exactly the toughest corn out there either. Right, right. So... If it is smut, then that those are some of the reasons why it could have possibly entered in. So hopefully that's not across your whole uh, sweet corn patch or anything. But I would just say this. We do see tremendous differences from variety to, to variety. And so if this continues to show up in that variety, just try a different variety and move on. All right, Brian, our friend Mark Rausch with the Auto Channel put out some information here today about 
Uh, well, he started it like this. He said, you can't really be okay with the Corn Ethanol Mandate Elimination Act, can you? Apparently, there's uh, some big stuff going on in Washington to eliminate the requirement to use renewable fuels. Well, let's put it this way. So politicians want to talk a lot right now about, oh, we want cleaner air. We want a, a healthier planet and all this stuff. And then, you know what? If there's a whole bunch of money at stake um, and lobbyists are hitting them up hard that donate tremendous amounts to their campaign, all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, but we want this other thing. <laughs> like, you guys. So anyway, you can understand our frustration with politics, and I'm sure you have tremendous frustration with politics as well. But nevertheless, it remains a big part of our society, so... Whatever you're opposed to, whether it's, uh, you know, the elimination of the ethanol mandate or something else, we would just tell you, contact your legislators. They do listen to people, and they especially listen if you continue talking to them. Uh, and I say talking to them, nothing beyond that, but talking to them and having more people you know talk to them. And the bigger the campaign for or against something goes, then the more the politicians are going to bow to the will of the people. All right. Uh, and thanks, Mark, for, for what you do. really appreciate all the information that you put out. It's been fantastic. Uh, and for anybody else that's got just questions for Mark or about what Mark's doing, you can go to the Auto Channel website and, and check that out. All right, this one comes in from Brian, and he said, All right, Ag PhD, I'm wondering if you feel like applying sulfur and boron at R1, or the first reproductive stage, is effective. My tissue samples this past Monday show that I have a low amount of both sulfur and boron. Okay, well, that was the first question. Are you even low to begin with? But that's tissue samples. I'd, I'd be curious to know what's in the ground. So where I'm going with this is, let's say that I already have a tremendous load of both sulfur and boron in the ground, but I haven't gotten rain in two months. My ground is completely dried out. If that's the case, then no, adding more sulfur and boron isn't going to do you a whole lot of good because you already have all kinds of it out there. You just need some rain to get it into the plant. Now, on the other hand, if you say, well, my tissue tests are low and my soils, soil tests are low, and you know what, there's rain in the forecast at some point in the next week or 10 days, well, then I'm much more interested in putting the sulfur or boron out there. But let's put it this way. It's starting to get late. So, you know, it, you can still gain something, but next time use this and say, you know what, I, I don't want to fall behind at R1, so maybe I'd be hitting that a little bit earlier in the season. Anyway, great question. We get that an awful lot. And yes, you can still have impact with the sulfur and boron, but you're going to have to have some rainfall to get it into the ground. You can do a little foliar feeding, but you can't get that much in the plant in a single dose. We're going to get to the phone lines right after this on Farmer Friday. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures? heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. 
Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show. 844-44-AG-PHD is our phone line and radio at agphd.com is how to reach us by email. I got one from JD. Said I'm a corn farmer in India. Love all your content you're putting online. Thanks for helping us out with a lot of these basics. Hey, you bet, JD. Glad glad you could take advantage of that. If you ever have any specific questions for your farm, please let us know. We'd love to help out. Let's head to the phone lines here. we got Dean on with us right now down in Mississippi. Now, Dean, it's hot and it's humid up here, but I'm betting that you probably have us beat. Come back on that last part there. Yeah, oh. it cut out for a minute. Oh, I was saying it's it's really it's hot and it's humid right here on our farm in South Dakota. But I'm betting you probably have us beat a little bit with some some hot weather in the summer. Oh yeah, it's 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 hot and it's so humid it's actually falling out of the sky right now. So it's a uh, <laughs> we're keeping up. I'm not sure how many consecutive days it's raining now anymore. I've lost track, but it's raining again. So, all right. So, talk to us about that. Now, I know there's been parts of Mississippi that had completely flooded out, and there's a lot of replant. Is this a, a threatening enough rain that, oh no, we're going to lose some crop to it, or is it more just a pain in the rear? It's just more of a pain in the rear. We we've actually we've actually been kind of lucky on our corn. We we put on six tenths with the pivot uh, right before tassel. Well, right at tassel. And then it started raining, and we have – so I'm running moisture probes, and every time it gets to the refill, it rains. And uh, we're actually just – we're well into dent now, and we have not put on a single drop of water since wow. then. Wow. So we have raised an entire corn crop, and it has has never never suffered for water one bit. Um, now, I don't know if the cloudy weather, I doubt, has helped it any, but it's uh, – yeah yeah <laughs> well we've been the, the opposite the soybeans, the we, soybeans are what are what would like dry feet right now 
I bet so. You know, and we we're in a spot where we're we're super dry here, and yeah, the soybeans are actually looking pretty good out in most fields, and it's the corn that's been on the short side, but. Uh, you know, kind of, it's interesting how how opposite things can be. So, all right, let's talk about that. Does it mean more disease pressure then for you? Is, has that been a problem it this does. year? It does. Yep. So we got a tropical storm early this year, and uh, we got southern rust. We had southern rust before we had even hardly tasseled. It was so much earlier than it's ever been before. Um, so we've actually, we've actually flowing fungicide on our corn already and we use that new uh, BASF product and we're thinking it's looking like it's going to carry us all the way through till black layer we're hoping so um soybeans we're going to be fungicide here real shortly oh man we're going to do them with an airplane we were going to do them do them with a ground rig and looks like we're not going to get to so nope Nope, that's for sure. Well, okay, so one thing that a lot of times happens, I know when we get lots of rain, we don't have as many bug issues. So is this kind of wash the bugs away for now at least? We've been lucky in the soybeans. The after wheat beans, their army worms have, the army worms have just blown up in this country. But for some reason, they're staying out of the, out of the later, out of the earlier soybeans. We have not seen them in the earlier soybeans yet. My dad actually lost his entire yard. Oh my goodness! They they clipped that thing. Within one day's time, it went from nice, nice lush green Bermuda to just brown. They took every leaf there was. Wow. And uh, yeah, and that's been the story all over. And the the hay guys are really are really suffering because they can't get in and cut their hay like they want to, and the army worms are getting it. Yeah, I know some people that would love to have armyworms come through their yard because they're just tired of mowing this summer, but that's that's not the way to get to that point, believe me. No. Uh, Dean, no. it's, it's something else. I, I wish we could do this. We could flop the weather around. We'll send you the sunshine and the heat from here, and you send us that rain, and, and we'll both be set. Oh, we would love it. I'm, I'm already starting to think about this fall. Like, So my fieldwork plan is already changing. Because of how much rain we've had this far into the summer, that means every little shower we get this fall is going to fill us back up to full saturation. And, you know, if you go in and try to chisel with with this much sub-moisture, it's just about a waste of time. I mean, very little. You don't get very much shattering activity. So we're already starting to try to think of how we can approach our fieldwork this fall, and it's changing yeah, yeah. Brian and I, a few years back, we were over in Europe and in Denmark specifically. Farmers were talking about how they had to have all their plans of exactly what they're going to do and when turned in ahead of time. And I think, man, we're always adjusting on the fly based on what the weather is going to be yeah. here. So, Dean, good luck to you and everyone yeah. on your farm here as as you make those adjustments to get get this crop out eventually and and the next one in. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much. Good talking to you, Dean. Uh, let's head over to Indiana. We've got Jeff with us, and I got a few pictures today, Jeff, from your farm. And uh, wow, yeah, it looks looks like you got a lot of good things going on out there. Can you talk to us a little bit about spring strip till and intercropping and some of the different things that you're working on? Oh, I sent some of that just to shake Brian up a little bit. I know he's, <laughs> he's adamant about one crop at a time, and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, we were we. We've kind of made a lot of big changes this year, um, put fertility with our spring strips. We've been cover croppers for about 10 years now. And uh, 
so that kind of changed things up and um, trying to see what we're short and then put the things that we can in the strip and the things that we have to do foliar, we're going to do foliar along the way. We're dry land farmers, by the way. We don't, we don't have any irrigation. Okay. Um, and so we got, we got in pretty well early this spring and then we got knocked out until about Mother's Day and the stuff planned around Mother's Day was, is, was pretty rough. And then the, the later stuff has been better. Uh, as far as planting goes, populations and those kind of things. We just, those stands around Mother's Day are horrendous. Um, a lot of unevenness on, on, on a lot of that. So, um, hey, Jeff, those, we're at. yeah, Jeff, those pictures that you sent, it was uh, uh, corn and soybeans basically intercropped or however you want to call it. Did you have eight rows there? I counted seven. Is it eight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So we had a 16-row planter. Okay. We put the four bean rows in the center and the four corn rows so we could put two different varieties of corn out there. Yep. And then we let the we, – we put in different populations of the corn as it went across those rows. The beans, we just had to set at like 105,000. And all of our beans are 30-inch rows anyway. And sure. so with the strip till, that works – that maths out for us. Have you done that in the past? Um, we have not. Okay. No. So what got you thinking you wanted to do that? Oh, you got a couple friends that, uh, Mr. Dowdy and Mr. Hula, that are kind of putting the pressure on some of this stuff. So um, we got got suckered into that, and there were some folks in Kentucky that uh, had done several acres. Sure. Yep. When we were doing it, we did six rows of corn, six rows of beans, and what we found is our corn yields went up significantly – but the problem was our bean yields went down significantly, and so the yeah. net dollars was a wash, and it was more work, and we we did that a couple different right. years. And so, I mean, I'm not saying for everybody it would it would not work, but for us, it, it just didn't dollar out. Uh, what we did learn, though, is in the corn to pick a couple taller varieties in the middle rows and or a taller variety in the middle row so that stands up just a little bit more and then we also talked about population on the outer rows of corn because you've you've really got to maximize that corn yield but yeah it was not difficult at all for us to get 300 bushel corn it's just the problem was our 70 bushel beans went down to 50. Yeah I can't withstand that that, I I don't know what the right number is. You know, it might be six rows of corn and eight rows of beans right. or something. Yeah. You got you got to watch your rotation. Sure. I have a question for you guys. If if I have yeah. got a moment, yeah, or go ahead. Time here. Go ahead. So, what are we going to do to to retain pods and increase bean size and retain kernels and increase kernel size from here on out? We've got a couple more sprays to go. We got a V10 or a, we're going to wide drop those uh, that corn you saw this morning. Yep. Uh, we're going to wide drop that. Yep. And it's. It's just now pollinating, so it's going to get a fungicide and a wide drop yet. And the beans okay. are going to get at least a PGR and uh, whatever else we can do to help ourselves. Yeah, well, Jeff, that's a perfect lead-in to our next segment. Uh, if you want to hang on, we'll talk about that just a little bit more. we got to take a quick break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. 
Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Right before the break, we were talking to Jeff from Indiana who was just asking, all right, what do we need to do or what could we do to retain pods and increase size? Or really we're talking about soybeans or corn too in terms of how do we increase yield how do we increase kernel size or or pod or seed size what can we do this late in the season and he had mentioned y drop uh, fungicide pgr that kind of stuff uh, my, my biggest things this late in the year are fungicide and insecticide that when we scout for insects we know it pays if we're hitting an economic threshold and i would throw mites in there too mites are not an insect but you got to be scouting for spider mites we've had to spray all of our soybeans already for spider mites i'm expecting we may have to spray corn and beans again for spider mites uh, because it's been hot and dry this year in our region now in indiana it has not been that way they've had rainfall over there at least according to the drought monitor map because we're in the severe drought area and 
Indiana's not, but nevertheless, I'd be scouting all the time on that insect side. The challenge with the fungicide end is you got to spray before you see an issue. So when you say, look, I've got humid conditions, I have high yield potential, I have a high price for my commodity, those three things right there make me say, you know, the odds are probably good that a fungicide could pay this year. So I'm looking hard at the fungicide insecticide thing. Darren, go ahead. You had a couple more things. Well, you talked about PGRs, and I, I just thought, okay, well, what have we done in the past? What are we doing now? And in the past, some of the things that we've tried, like in soybeans, you mentioned holding on flowers and, and trying to get as much yield that way as we can. We'd use cytokinin, and we used a product called Happy Girl back in the day. And, man, did that thing keep flowers on. But when we run into a year like this where we just aren't getting enough moisture or if we had a field that was relatively new to us and we didn't have as much plant food out there as a big yield was going to need, it would hold those flowers on even to the detriment of the plant. So sometimes yield was not as good, even though we kept the flowers. So they've they've kind of reworked that. Um, I, I know the, the folks that are the leaders with these plant growth hormones and plant growth regulators have now put cytokinin together with GABA and choline chloride to try to regulate that cytokinin a little bit. And so we're trying a, a new product called Inertia this year on the farm. So hopefully we'll see some good results with that. The the test data over a number of years looks really good, but we'll see once we get it out in the field. Uh, over the years, we've done uh, you know a lot of different things. Fertorain has been a really nice product for getting some nutrients in. If you just need a little boost, uh, a lot of guys like to use Sure-K in soybeans if they need more potassium because it doesn't seem to burn the beans like a lot of the other potassium products out there. And then you know you hear a lot about fulvic acid getting used as a delivery mechanism. Uh, that that sure looks good from from what we've heard from other farmers who are using it as well. And then, of course, in corn, you mentioned trying to fill that ear out, and everybody wants to talk about boron. It's super important, and if you're short in that, I, I would definitely go for it. How about that, Jeff? Probably too much all in one shot, huh? No, that's, that's the direction I'm headed, but I can go back and listen to this again. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, we're going to try the wide drop yet, and so... The fungicides definitely going on. We'll probably put a little insecticide on. We've got just a little Japanese pressure, not much beetle, and then a little bit of uh, downy mildew showing up out there. Okay. For all guys, not really a problem just yet. So, so Jeff, let me throw um, one but, other thing out at you because everybody asks this type of question. What do we need to do to retain more pods? What do I need to do to you know, increase the size of whatever seed that I am raising? And what we've found on our own farm, there are a lot of these late season treatments you can do that can help. But the biggest thing that helps is number one, I got to have great drainage. And number two, I want to have great fertility in my soil. So it's not, and by great, I don't just mean an abundance of pounds. I mean a balance of nutrients as well. And so for us in dry land farming with heavy soils, that has paid way better than any foliar stuff that we've ever done. So we've really had to, over time, build up our P and K levels, work on our zinc and our copper and some of these different micronutrients. Uh, so that's our focus and where most of our dollars go. These late things, it's much a much smaller dollar amount we're spending, and we aren't getting the same kind of yield impact, but it's, it's still paying. I'm not saying don't do it, but I am saying for the biggest gains, it really comes back to the soil. I'd spend 70% of my time on that soil and then 
30% of my time on everything else, quite frankly, because it's that important to that crop and the yield. I think that's why we looked at the strip kill with fertility pretty hard, and, and that's why I sent you those numbers to kind of show. We just kind of used you guys' numbers as far as uh, crop removal, not or just grain removal, and that's what we threw in the strip, what we thought was, could be a yield goal. And then we go in from there with everything else. Yep, so and uh, and that's kind of our barometer. Sure, absolutely, and and it's good to be thinking about all right, what's my crop going to remove? But we also have to think about in if you ever get like we have right now a drier season, so we have less moisture to bring nutrients in, which means we actually have to have more nutrients in our soil in order to get the same new amount of nutrients delivered into that crop. So sometimes, especially for us here in in dry country where we have really heavy soil and no irrigation, uh, it, it's just it's a little bit different. And I want to take things to a higher level on all this ground that we own. And I'm not saying getting anything out of out of ratio or out of balance, but I am saying I don't just want my potassium at 4% base saturation K, what we'd call the minimum. I want to be at 6 or 7. I don't just want to be at 50 parts per million on phosphorus. I want to be closer to 100. I don't just want to be at 5 on zinc. I want to be closer to 10. And then what we find is in these dry years, we're still able to do quite well in those fields. And the net total, I didn't spend any more dollars that went into that crop and was lost. Because my point is, yes, I spent more dollars to build the soil up, but those nutrients are still there. It's like putting money in the bank. I didn't withdraw that money. It's still there for a future crop. I just need to maintain it moving forward. Yeah. little different okay. way to think about it, but I just like throwing that out there, especially in these dry years, because we can tell a difference. It's night and day where we have great fertility versus where we have poor fertility in the same ground. All right. Hey, thanks for the call, Jeff. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Have a good day. Yep, you too. Let's head down to Oklahoma. We've got Luke with us right now. Luke, how's it going? Good, you guys? Well, we're doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. What are crops looking like around you? Uh, Well, we got all the weed out finally. Um, Not before we got 12 inches of rain on some of it, but uh, uh, had quite a bit of sprout damage on the stuff that was more mature. But um, all in all, wheat was good. I uh, just finished planting some beans, um, actually replant yesterday, so most of them are in and almost up. Um, so kind of odd to see uh, looper moths moving in this time of the year, but uh, so we're throwing an insecticide in with some burn down. So. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting year, no doubt about that. So double, cl- double crop beans replant, double cl- crop replanted beans just popping up here. We're mid-July. How much season have you got left, and what what maturity are you putting in for those replants? So we kind of stick with the late fours for the most part, um, and we've even had success, especially in these lower lying areas where the you know we just been waiting for it to dry up, honestly. But then we got our higher ground that's burning up, or you know just doesn't have enough moisture. But uh, August one is kind of where we pushed it to, and you can. You can make about three-fourths of a crop by August 1. Okay. Well, that's, if, that's know, not a total loss. Yeah, I, I just thought I, I've heard heard you say something there. Low ground's too wet, high ground's burning up. And I thought, wow, Oklahoma sounds a lot like South Dakota some years. <laughs> well, we're talking CEC of five or less, you know, pretty sandy soil on some of this stuff too. So, okay. 
Yeah, that makes it a challenge, no doubt. Okay, so your 12-inch rain, what happens with that? Does it all run off? Does it soak in? What kind of shape are you in? Well, some of them came in uh, 30 minute, three inches in 30 minute increments. And so it's like, yeah, we may only, the low, the places where that don't drain well that are, that are sand farms. And I mean, you just flat can't drain them just because you're talking, you know, 10 feet of material uh, across sand hills to try and migrate that material to make it work. But um, those actually retain most of the moisture, but, uh, you know, most of the hard land CEC of a nine or better drains pretty well. Yeah, the sandbox is uh, is definitely something to farm. Hey, Luke, good luck to you here with this next crop. Thanks for calling in. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Louisiana. We've got David with us right now. David, how you doing? I'm doing okay in yourself. Well, we're doing pretty well. Are you guys staying dry or are you catching all the rain that Mississippi's getting? We have caught all the rain that we need to for the rest of the year. It, it has been one for the ages. Oh my goodness! I, you know, I know you guys get more rain than us, but it seems it seems a little unusual here. Are you already just way, way, way over normal? Uh, well, just to give you an example of how how much we've received, uh, we plant we finished planting the last field of corn the first week in April, and from then till the first week in June, we received. 30 inches of rain oh in our goodness. area. Wow. Yeah. So, so uh, dare to say the last field of corn we planted uh, had to be replanted to beans when we were able to get in the field. Yep. Yep. Wow. So it, it's been, been a one, that's for sure. All right. So so what do you have going on on your farm? What, what crops have you got in, and is there anything that you'd say, well, that's actually fared pretty well this year? Well, the corn, we have uh, probably about uh, – uh, 500 acres planted, and it's going to be a average uh, crop at best, I would say. Uh, the, the beans we have planted over about 1,400 acres. For as late as we planted them and all the rain, they, they're holding on pretty good. They don't look too bad. I'm, I'm pleased with a lot of them. Uh, you do have your spots where they are a little bit yellower, um, but saying that, I'm, I'm pleased with the way they look, and uh, it won't be a record crop, but you can't expect that when you start planting in the middle of uh, June when you dip soybeans. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's always interesting what the what the weather is going to be each year. So it keeps you it keeps you hopping, no doubt about that. So with muddy fields out there, are you going to be be able to get back in there to do anything, or has there been aerial applications along the way? We've been fortunate not to have aerial applications. Um, we've uh, you'll get a few dry spots, and we we. Uh, spray our beans and stuff. We actually have one more field to spray, and we're going to probably do that in the morning. Uh, it should be dry by then. And that should pretty much tie us over with uh, putting down the, uh, our chemical. We did use pre-emerge this year on our soybeans, and that was uh, – it's been good. It's been wonderful because uh, the grass flush has not come, and then all the grass have been held back, just a few broad leaves. But um, – that that was that paid for itself in the long run right there that's awesome yeah when you get that moisture it's going to activate that stuff really well so that's good to hear that that part worked so when does harvest start then for you and which crop gets harvested first the corn is actually going to start in about two weeks we're drying down pretty fast for, for all the rain we've had i've checked a couple of fields yesterday so corn about two weeks the beans will probably be about the middle of september Okay, so corn harvest in two weeks, and local prices right now, What what is corn worth in Louisiana? Well, the basis is not bad. We sell all of our corn local, and I have to get the local mill and see what he's going to do. Um, but we would sell corn uh, this time of year about $2 higher than it was last year, Wow, which, yep. which is good. So it, we'll need that for the, the crop we're going to have since it's not going to be the best crop. So um, we, the beans, we booked some beans uh, to deliver uh, to towards Baton Rouge, Port Allen, and their bases, when we did book them, were 50 cents over. That's all goodness. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a nice benefit of being close to those markets. No doubt about that. Well, David, good luck to you. Hopefully you guys catch some dry weather here. You got corn harvest coming up in a couple of weeks. You can sure use the sunshine. I thank you so much. You, know, I'll take... you bet. Thanks. Uh, let's head over to Michigan. We've got Ryan with us right now. Ryan, how are you doing? Real good. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty well. Okay, what's happening in your crop right now? I would I would imagine you got corn that's tasseling. You got beans that are probably putting on some pods now, and and sugar beets that are growing pretty well too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, everything's looking real good. Some guys that are flying on some fungicide. Uh, yesterday we watched a plane go around for a while, and they're just coming into the area to start some of that. And we just finished uh, harvesting uh, 100 acres of some cereal rye that we were growing for uh, our cover crops just to save for seed. Sure, sure. Okay, so talk to us about the, the putting fungicide on which crop? Because I can imagine all three of those, corn and soybeans and sugar beets, would probably be getting some fungicide around now. Yeah, that's what uh, about every day we've actually had a real calm week. Uh, about every day you see sprayers going every direction and some doing the leaf spot and the sugar beets and some were spraying in the, the soybean fields and then the planes were flying on to the, the corn. Everybody's hitting about everything. Uh, we've been, we started out the spring really dry and uh, it let on for quite a while. And then we got a four inch rain was our first water that we got. And it all came in like uh, maybe three or four hours and ponded up everywhere, but it all went away. But, uh, we, everywhere you look, there's some low spots and some beans, and you see, you know, you got that yellow in and some stuff in some corn that is, was a little behind tassel, and just because it, it uh, flooded out for a little while. We ended up with some that got some stalk rot and some smut started in it just for the low areas that just don't drain. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's all it's all of nothing and then all at once. <laughs> we we had kind of yes, close to yeah, that. We didn't we didn't have quite that much been, moisture, but man, we got two inches in one shot and we'd been waiting and waiting for months. Yep. And that's what we we didn't want to complain or chase away any rain cuz it's not as bad as some of the other places. So we tried not to complain, but now we've been getting pretty timely rains. It, it held off for everybody to get most of their weed off and and their rye and stuff. So we're supposed to get a rain shower tomorrow. So everybody that uh, chased their uh, wheat combines with some cover crops will get those started. So everything's looking real good. Outstanding. What Now, when you raise the cereal rye, do you, what do you do with all the straw? Are you, are you taking straw off? Or are you leaving all the residue in the field? How, how do you handle that crop? Well, this was our first year doing it. Um, for a while we hadn't done it in about seven years so we actually cut it high when since we were cutting it for the seed we figured we're turning right back around and gonna put a cover crop into it so we weren't real concerned about throwing anything over the back or going down in the down stuff after things and uh so we clipped it as high as we could and we just spread it back on and uh our plan is to go through and no-till in um, we're going to use an interseeder and okay. uh, set it on 30s, and we're going to plant uh, cereal rye again with some buckwheat mixed in with it and in between our planting zones. And then in our planting zone, we'll plant uh, some oats and buckwheat. And then uh, this fall, we'll go in and strip till it, uh, rip those oats and buckwheat up and make berms and hopefully 
fingers crossed, maybe be able to stale seed bed sugar beets into it next year. Interesting. Yeah, I, I love that you're doing some different things. It makes farming really interesting, gives you lots to talk about and debate. And uh, I know you're not the only yep. uh, the only decision maker in the operation. So you got other people that you got to convince that this is the best way to go. So I, I love it. I think it's fun. Yeah, we're we're trying a few things to see what what we can get away with, I guess, and what works, and and kind of add to it each year. And so, oh, we knew we had it. We needed to put those small grains back into our system. So we started with that hundred acres, and then figured we'd chase that with and uh, plant sugar beets into that, and try to build to our rotation, get to that four year. Absolutely. Well, it's good. It's a good idea to to start small. Hey, let's put a little bit in. Let's learn from that and move forward because you never know. You might find something that makes the farm a lot more money. We're talking with Ryan up in Michigan. Ryan, thank you so much. Good talking to you again and good luck here the rest of the season. Yes, thank you and have a good field day. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is coming up next week. It's it's going to be fun. Hey, uh, Brian, we had a question come in from Al, and he said, I heard Brian talking about a wet and cold spell in the 90s caused by volcanic activity of some sort. Have you got more information about that? I'd love to study up on that one a little bit. Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines, I believe it erupted in 91, and then there was volcanic ash covering the planet in 1992 and and just a little bit into 1993, but it lowered the Earth's temperature significantly. So all these people that want to talk about global warming just have a few volcanoes erupt over the next few years. Or you could also have planes flying nonstop above you having their contrails. Both of those things would lower the temperature if that was all you were after. All right, we're going to get to more of your questions next. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near-zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. 
We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and you never know what kind of questions are going to come in. That's part of what makes it fun here. We love doing a live TV or a live radio show. I uh, get a number of different ones here to choose from on widely different topics. I'll start with Kim's here. Uh, Kim said, my husband, Larry, and I plans to come to your field day this year. I'm not sure if I can make the trip yet, but wanted to ask you about this question. We, we hear a lot about uh, allergies, food allergies like gluten intolerance, for example, and uh, local food supplier blames it on GMOs and chemicals that farmers are using, but we've been doing no that for so long. Uh, my thinking is there's lots of changes that food processors are doing, and when we look at yep. the preservatives and so forth that yep. go in food, for example, yep. have you noticed how long bread keeps? It didn't used to keep that long <laughs> 10 years ago. Now bread doesn't seem to mold right. on the counter. Yep. Do, you, do you think that that is part of what's going on here with some of these problems? Yes, I do think that's part of it, but there are a lot of things. I don't think there's any one particular answer. If there was, I think somebody would have figured that out already. But, I mean, let's be honest. Just as a society, we're getting, well, I'll just be blunt, we're getting fatter. And part of it is we're lazy. So, I mean, let's let's face it. We have oh, it so easy. easy. Everything's right. easy for us. I mean, so even easy. just look at tractors. Just take tractors. We got air conditioned cabs now. We got auto steer. I mean, you look at how those guys used to do it, and and how tough that was. And they were out in the hot sun, exactly. and that kind of thing. And it's, even if you say, really "All right, we're not lazy. We are working lots of hours." But what jobs are we doing today versus what jobs did we do even two generations ago? So when you think about the the people that used to farm two generations ago, it was a lot of hand labor. It was a lot of work. Whereas today, almost anything we do, we're sitting. And just look at all the jobs across the world where you sit in front of a computer all day. Well, you're not exactly getting a lot of exercise. So you've got to make it a point to, when you get off work, spend some time exercising and then eating better. Yeah, we eat a lot of processed foods. And, I mean, we consume crazy amounts of things that aren't necessarily the best for us. And in a lot of cases, it's too many calories. So part of it is just how we grew up. Oh, well, mom and dad used to have this, or grandpa and grandma used to have this. Well, yeah, but if you were out, I was just telling some guys the other day, I used to be throwing bales. Darren and I would throw bales in the summer. Okay, well, if you're throwing bales all summer, you got to have thousands of calories every day. If you're sitting behind a computer, 
you do not need many calories. And so in some cases, um, we just haven't adjusted all that. So anyway, I, I don't know what the answer is exactly, but I know that if we eat, eat in moderation, if we exercise more, uh, if we really pay attention to what we're eating, then we can, we, we can be healthier. But yeah, I, I mean, some, some of these things could literally be flukes and it could be, you know, things we aren't even thinking about. I, I mean, just think about all the, the, uh, cell phones that are out there, for example, could that have anything to do with any impact on our body? It's possible that it could, uh, or microwaves, or, I mean, just there's so much stuff that is different today versus two generations ago that I think it's going to be almost impossible to figure out what is the real cause or the number one cause, but a lot of things have changed. So could be anything. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I got this one from Matt. He said, can you address glyphosate and its nasty tendency to chelate cations like copper, zinc, and magnesium? Our copper levels in our soil are going up. We don't add any unless it's through the chicken litter. I really love to hear your opinion about what's going on with copper in my soil and if glyphosate has anything to do with managing high copper levels. No. Uh, so, if he's concerned about all oh, my copper levels are high and maybe I'll use Roundup and that will mean uh, it will tie up more copper. No, there's zero proven that Roundup ties up copper or zinc or manganese or any of these. One other thing nutrients. that we found too, Brian, and, in some of our well, water testing that we've done around the country, there are some areas, especially areas with lots of livestock, especially lots of dairies where copper is going up in, even in groundwater. So that's something to, to keep an eye out. Maybe test your water source that you're using out on that land as well. Let's say perhaps that you have irrigated ground. Every time you put an inch of water out on an acre, that's 27. 7,000 gallons. If you had even a low level of copper in there, it's possible that copper could hang in the soil and build up too. But it sounds to me like it's from the chicken litter. Yeah, we haven't been seeing copper levels go up across the uh, across the farming areas of the United States or Canada, unless you purposely put it out there, like with manure or commercial fertilizer. But anyway, back to this chelation thing. We have, we've run studies where we'll put a hundred times the amount of Roundup out, two years in a row. And we're still seeing same levels of nutrient in the soil, same levels of nutrient in the plant. This chelation thing and, and tie up with Roundup is nonsense. Don't listen to it. All right. Uh, got a question here from... Oh, hey, let, let me... let me. Sorry, Darren. Let me, let me throw one other thing in. Because every once in a while people say, well, you guys are just defending the chemical companies. No. Honestly, you know what I care about? I care about my farm. And I care about your farm. And so I don't... I, let's put it this way. I really don't trust anybody. So what I trust is our own data. And so like for Darren and me too, when we have disagreements on something, I think one thing, he thinks another thing, you know what our answer always is? Well, let's prove it in the field. And then I don't care. I really don't care if I'm right or wrong. I just want the answer. Well, when people start throwing things out like, oh, Roundup's going to tie this up or that up, we're like, all right, well, let's test it. And let's just not put it to a slight test let's put it to a massive incredible test that would for sure would give us an answer if it was true that's why i said a hundred times rate not 10 times rate a hundred times rate well surely if you think a court's going to make a difference and tie a bunch of things up well then a hundred courts ought to make a lot of difference especially if i did it two years in a row right so we did that found out that there were no change 
Well, that pretty much proves that, that that's completely wrong about the whole Roundup talking about chelating or tying up nutrients, I should say. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. Got this one from from Chris, and he said, I'm in the southern Missouri Ozarks. I've got this farm gridded, and it's just my second year owning this ground. No prior records exist. In the last two years, I put on two tons of lime per acre. I had put on a 60, 80, 90 startup blend for my new Timothy hay seeding, and I've taken 2.7 tons of hay off the field prior to this current soil test. Now, my goal is to balance base saturation while building up P and K. Long-term goals here, not just crop removal. Lodging has been my major issue whenever I approach the suggested nitrogen rates, even yep. with split application. Yep. And the horse industry in my area will support top quality hay, so I can justify input costs. Just wondering, where would you spend the money to try and build up this ground? Okay. He ha- only has a 7.5 cation exchange capacity. That's it. So that's lighter, sandier soil. So that's that's a challenge in that your soil's never going to hold a lot. And you're going to be removing problem, hay. So you're going to yep. be taking a lot of K off that ground. That's right. So we've got a double whammy there. Uh, we're only at 2.7% base saturation K and only 78 parts per million on, on potassium. So honestly, where w- where's my first dollar going on this field? And by the way, his soil pH is 6.7, which is perfect. Uh, my first dollar is going to potassium. My second dollar is going there. Probably my... 200th dollars going there maybe not quite that much but anyway that's why you're having the lodging problems number one copper and manganese are also issues when it comes to lodging your manganese is also in our opinion low your copper i don't even have a reading so it'd be nice to know that and then your phosphorus levels are really low uh, 16 parts per million unavailable phosphorus and boron 0.2 sulfur five parts per million so uh here's the good news your calcium and your magnesium are great, so and your soil pH is great. So that's all good news. But quite frankly, on the other nutrients, you need more. You just have to get more out there, and especially potassium, and that will eventually reduce your lodging issue. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, I got this one from Dusty. He said, I'm a first-time soybean grower. It's double crop soybeans behind wheat. I've got a solid stand of beans, and I want to stimulate some growth with a PGR. Any recommendations of which products you would use? Well, Dusty, uh, the one that we've been using is Mega Grow. We use two ounces of that. It's not super expensive, and you can mix it right with a herbicide or a insecticide or foliar fertilizer application. You can put it out uh, in the vegetative stages. That would be a great way to go. We got some different ones that we might use in the reproductive stages. But in the vegetative stages, MegaGrow has been great. The other thing that we've seen kind of as a side benefit of that, it's actually a patented safener for Roundup. So if you're using Roundup, you can avoid the yellow flash by adding that in there. So we like that. But we do see better growth. We do see better yields on our farm using that in our soybeans. So it's one that we always add into the mix. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Good luck with your first soybean crop. If you get other questions, of course, just let us know. Thanks for listening to today's radio program. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.